Might say I'm understudy, might say I'm over the top, but there's like no free water, but soda pop is overstock. They say amazing grace. I've written plays about my mother, solo pieces, essays, articles. I quote my mother all the time. I tell my kids stories. I do a eh, not so good impersonation of her beautiful accent. I was a mommy's girl. And the trouble with being a mommy's girl is that after your mother passes, you are forever untethered, unwritten, undone. I remember years ago, Goldie Hawn was on Oprah Winfrey, and she was talking about losing her mother and how much she missed her and missed being able to call her and tell her good news because nobody would ever be as proud of her as her mother. Nobody would ever be as happy unconditionally as her mother. And I knew exactly what she meant. Whenever I traveled all the way into my 30s, I always called my mother and let her know my itinerary. Because as long as she knew where I was, I felt okay. Tethered to something, to someone who thought I mattered. I miss her all the time. Like I said, I do a not-so-good impersonation of her voice. I have passed on her fear of things being on the edge of tables or counters to my children. And so much more. But did I know her? No. Do I want to? Yes. I remember when I was a kid, I used to sometimes catch her staring at me, kind of like in amazement or wonder. And it, believe me, it wasn't because I was that great, but it was because she was amazed that she carried me, that she made me. And in kind of an unusual state of grace, I used to stay still so that she could stare at me and pretend like I didn't know what she was doing or thinking. And now my kids, I do that to them. I stare in total wonder. But they bust me. They're like, why are you staring at me? And I tell them, because I'm so amazed I made you. I'm so amazed that you're here. And I tell them that their grandmother used to do that to me. And there's a little twinkle in their eye. They get it, just like I did. And then there's a connection, a thread between all of us. And I'm somehow tethered again. And I want to continue my conversation with her, even though she's gone. I want to learn more about where she came from, Haiti. I want to ask questions that I wish I could have asked her of people who knew her. I want to tether myself back to her because I have been untethered from her for too long. And I want to further tether her to my beautiful children who deserve to know her and where she came from so they can better know themselves and their own mom, me. And that brings me to who my first guest is. Cindy Newman is the daughter of one of my mother's closest friends, and we grew up together. And she's also the founder of Daughters of Haiti, the Chicago chapter. But she had a really special bond with my mother, 
And in some ways, I feel like she got to see sides of my mother that I didn't. She reveals some things to me that I never knew. And we talk about being the daughters of strong Haitian women. We are both people who want to reimmerse ourselves in the culture that we came from for ourselves and for our children. So we have a great conversation. And then Cindy also shares some information about an event on March 28th that Daughters of Haiti is hosting online. If you're a first-time listener and you like what you hear, please be sure to rate and review. Or if you haven't had a chance and you're a long-time listener, please do that. It helps more people hear about the podcast. You can follow at Tanya's Take on Instagram and also my Facebook page. And here's my conversation with Cindy Newman. Hi, Cindy. Hello. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really happy to see you and to hear you. And I'm wearing red lipstick in your honor. Oh, thank you. You know, I love the red lipstick. I know. So, um, and first and foremost, I should say, you know, we haven't spoken in a while. So I would love to just like do a life check-in, find out how are you? How have you been during the pandemic on our pandemic anniversary? Um, How's your family, your husband? Fill me in a little bit. Oh, wow. Um, So I'm doing great, much better. I think the season is changing and that makes a big difference. It seems like Um, with uh, being kind of locked in with the pandemic. And then of course, you know, um, seasonal affective disorder is real. Right. And so that compounded with a pandemic where you can't go anywhere. It's been rough, but um, I see light at the end of the tunnel and I'm feeling a whole lot better. Life is life is pretty good overall. And then so I know you I, I have one, two sons. Do you have two sons? I have two sons. Yeah. Um, and what are their ages? Um, so Stephen is 26. Um, and I think you know this, but uh, your mother was Stephen's godmother. Uh, I didn't know that. Yes, she baptized Stephen. Oh my and, gosh. And um, he's 26. He's a handsome young man. Yes, he is. Um, and Samuel is 24. He's okay. handsome as well, but yep. he's the younger one. <laughs> um, and I have a bonus daughter. I'm just kind of giving, giving them to you in chronological order here. Sure. Um, Maya is 16. Okay. And then... Um, I have a baby girl who is 14, just Aww. turned 14. So I have to say, you know, I, um, my heart kind of swelled when you said that my mother was your oldest godmother. You know, um, it speaks to the connection I know that you had with her, that our families had with each other. Um, and I'm turning to you a little bit to help me with some context because in some ways, and this may sound strange, but in some ways I feel almost as if you may have known my mother a little better than I did in some ways. Um, I feel like she shared a part of herself um, with the kids of her friends in a way that she didn't with her own kids, which now that I say that out loud, that probably makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, But the idea that you felt close enough, you know, to her that you would have her be your oldest godchild. Can you talk a little bit about that um, connection you had to my mom and also fill in any blanks? Because I am not 100% sure how our parents 
met. I think they met at Mercy Hospital. Do you know? I think so. Um, and I think they knew each other even perhaps before then. Okay. Um, but here's something I bet you don't know. Oh, what? I, I'm just full of surprises. Oh, my gosh. Your mom was the uh, delivering OBGYN that delivered me. She delivered you as well. Oh, okay. I know you hear that a lot, don't you? <laughs> you know what? I do. I grew up at a grade school, strangely, because it you know, wasn't all white grade school. But I can't tell you the number of classmates that my mother was the delivering doctor for. Also, my mother always told the story that um, before she would hand the baby off, she always would give the baby a hug and a kiss. So she must have been your first hug and kiss. <laughs> she would have been. Wow. And, and that means a lot. That explains yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Cindy also has two sisters, Melissa and Tanya, which is very strange because, you know, our, in my family, there was three girls and um um, Tanya and then Melissa who passed away but so it, there was always that connection as well that you know two of the girls in each family had the same names um, but uh, Tanya's full name is Natanya correct right mm -hmm. and I was always that's kind right. of jealous because I was like that's cool I want my name to be Natanya um, <laughs> but I've digressed so tell me a little bit more again back to sort of that relationship with my mom. So do you, you sort of knew her then obviously your whole life, but do you feel like ever since you were a baby, she was always in your life or did it happen later? I think she was always in my life. I mm -hmm. don't really recall a time that she wasn't. Yeah. Um, and, and, and particularly in a lot of the more formative years, I think, um, and it's interesting how you said that she knew, you know, others knew her differently. Yeah. Um, I think your sisters, you and your sisters paved the way for us. And, oh. and let me explain that. Yeah. Um, things like dances at school mm. that my mom would have probably said, absolutely not. You're not going anywhere your mom softened the blow like oh janine let them go they have to be kids they she was always there to support the things that we wanted to do socially and to kind of you know uh acclimate us i guess into like american society because my mom was always like no young ladies are not supposed to do this and they're not supposed to do that and your mom was always the one janine it's okay it's okay they can do that Oh my gosh, that is so hilarious. And it's so my mom, because while my mom was sort of like, I mean, I have to say strangely, as many sort of um, in, you know, boundaries that were in place, there were some things my mom was really cool about because my mom was sort of hyper protective, but it was based a lot in her fears and anxieties. But it's very funny to hear, like, because um, my mom being a gynecologist, she also um, was, uh, a few of my friends' doctors, and they would always reflect to me like, oh my God, your mom's the best. You can ask her anything. You can, you know, come to her with any issues. And I would just laugh because like, this is the same woman who told Gina, my older sister, that the um, birth control pill was 100% ineffective. <laughs> well, so, we know what that meant. <laughs> exactly, right? So it's like this combination of like, she's the cool gynecologist, you know, yet what she would tell her kids. So for you growing up in a Haitian household, you know, um, my husband frequently will say to me, you're so Haitian. And what he means by that, 
can mean a couple of different things based on the context. One of the things he means by that is I am sort of hyper private and sort of hyper paranoid about things. And like, I am a fatalist of sorts. I tend to think worst case scenario. Um, but what I've always guessed that was, was part of Haitian culture. But the truth is, maybe it was just my parents. Were there similar? No, <laughs> we're on Zoom and Cindy's already shaking her head. <laughs> I say this because literally yesterday. Yeah. Um, so all these little groups and things that, that I joined. Um, and there is one particular group that talked about exactly that and how as Haitians, yes. we tend to put things in the negative. Yes. Immediately. We, yep. You know, even when we ask a question. <laughs> what, know, do like, like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Don't you want this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and most people would say, "Do you want this?" Oh my God, and, that is hilarious. Yes. So if if I had not come across that information yesterday, I would probably say, "No, that might just be you know." Yes. Yes. Uh, but no. <laughs> After I read that, I'm like, "No, you're you're absolutely right, and it is a Haitian thing. This is what we do culturally." So did <laughs> you? Things. So for you. Growing up, were you around a lot of Haitian relatives? Yes. So as a child growing up, we were uh, always around family, always around Haitian. We were always around Haitian people. Okay. Yeah. And um, are you still fluent in French? We. Oui. Uh, more of my Creole. My French mm -hmm. is broken. I, yeah. I speak French like an American. Yes, um, me too. Me too but my Creole is pretty good. So what we mean by we speak French like Americans is I would say a, sort of a shame I still carry around is that whenever I speak French, people are like, it just sounds like you have an American accent. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, the shame, you know, <laughs> like I don't speak French with a Haitian accent, which is very different than, say, a Parisian French accent. Um, and unfortunately, I've lost a great deal of it. So my husband's always like, oh, why don't you speak French to the girls? And I'm like, because I feel like I would do a terrible job teaching them the language because mine is sort of so patchwork at this point. Um, was it predominantly spoken in your house, even as you all got older? Yes, so it was. However, um, my mom would say something in French. Mm -hmm. I would respond in English. Right. So it was just, it, it was, it became a matter of understanding more so than speaking. Honestly, my mom, I would hear her talking to your mom on the phone and they would be speaking in Creole. And then mm -hmm. like on another occasion, I was like, oh, mommy, how would you say this in Creole? And she's like, I don't speak Creole. <laughs> so I feel like she had some shame around it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, but really it was such a joy hearing her talk to her friends in Creole, it was like her at her most sort of full, authentic, sort of joyous self, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you speak with your sisters, do you speak in French or English? We speak in English, unless we don't want anyone to know what we're talking about. Yes, yes. It's like a secret language. <laughs> yes. We have our own secret language yep. that, um, yeah, and, and we love it. Yeah. My husband says he's going to uh, to learn to speak Creole so that he can understand what we're saying. 
You know, Gina and I regularly forget that. I mean, we do de- we do that as well. We will slip into French. I'll do it right in front of everybody. It's obvious I'm talking about them, but <laughs> um, but I also am like you know just tripping and stumbling through whatever it is I'm trying to say. Um, but sometimes I just plumb forget, and then I'm like, oh my god, you know, I at least understand a completely different language and could lean into it a lot more. And it's sort of one of those like perpetual to-do lists or bucket list things, which is to kind of immerse myself back in, in speaking French. But um, yeah, I feel like I understand better and I understand Creole um, as well. Um, so, so again, it's funny and nice to have it confirmed that it wasn't just our family in terms of some of those like um qualities about being haitian what else um do you think of when you think about being haitian or what does it mean to you to be haitian wow that's that's a big question yeah um (laughs) i believe that as i've gotten older it has meant it 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 is it is meaning more to me Mm. now than ever um, it means more to me now than ever. Uh, why? Um, I think that when my children start to ask, where am I from? Who are my people? You know, um, and I don't always have the answers. Mm. I'm finding the answers for them now, you know, yeah. and I feel like I've done them a disservice in that I have not taught them to speak French or mm-hmm. Creole mm-hmm. or anything. They pick up a word here or there, yeah. and that's mostly because of their grandparents. Um, but at this point, um, it is about our culture and our heritage. I mean, we are a rich culture. Yes. And um, just understanding uh, things like resilience, um, perseverance, um, it all stems from, you know, our ancestors, our Haitian ancestors and right. how. Um, things that you would make fun as as a Haitian person would make fun of, like they would say, um, "You are Moon Mon," you know, like mountain people. Mm. Um, well, the historical perspective for that, the mountain people were the strongest people. They retreated to the mountains mm. to fight another day. You mm. know, um, just in terms of revolution, there were attempts at revolt more than once we were such you know a persevering society that we came back again until finally you know that fateful day yeah (laughs) um until finally uh we were the first free black republic yes um so there's a lot to be proud of yes and yeah that's yeah that's what it's about Yeah, I I feel so much the same way in terms of some of the sense of, I feel like I'm giving, I've sort of, um, there's a bit of a disservice in terms of what I'm sharing with my children and also my interest in being able to share more from them. The funny thing is, is to some degree it happens anyway. Like my children, at their core, I can feel that 
Haitian spirit, right? And even though I haven't actually done as much as I'd like in terms of immersing them in the culture or, you know, beyond their sister Gina, they don't have a lot of exposure to it. I still feel like it's in their core just by who they are. And I just want to, you know, find the ways to bring it out more and to nurture it and to give them more context. It makes me wonder, you know, when people ask me, I don't identify as African American. I very clearly state I'm Haitian American. Um, do you do the same or is yes. that important to you? Yeah. It is very important to me. I do too. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, interestingly, growing up, a lot of times, I would be told that I look different. I'm not, I don't look like I'm from here. Right. And, and I used to be offended because what does that mean? Yeah. You know, um, but now it's a sense of pride. And the Haitian American experience in this country is very different than the African American experience in this country. And there are some intersections, but there are also some differences. And for me, um, there was a period where I didn't always feel like I fit into African-American culture or there's things I still don't, you know, understand that a lot of my friends will make certain references and like, I just didn't grow up around that. So I don't know it the same way that they do, you know, mm -hmm. what about the food? Now I know that you're a baker. That's yes. Yes. What about the, the cooking side of that and Haitian food? Um, is that oh. something you do? I think you'll have to come over for dinner one day. Oh my God. And I want you to, t I mean, that is one of my biggest regrets is not paying attention when my mother tried to teach me. Um, did you get it from your mom? Did you I, cook with I her? I got it from my mama. Mm. I got it from my mama. I, I love to cook. Mm. Um, I, I love being in the kitchen. I think you know that based on just the baking. Yeah. The baking I've, is self-taught. Um, I, I don't know. Baking yeah. is simple though. Baking is a matter of following directions. Right. If you right. can follow, if you can follow the directions, yeah. um, you can do it. Uh, cooking comes from your soul mm. <laughs> and Haitian food comes from your soul. It comes from your spirit. And, um, I think I've mastered a few things. Um, and that's, that's really neat. I, uh, um, sauce pois, uh, you know, chicken. Um, yes. I, I do a lot of, I do a lot of the things that my mom did. Yes. Um, I recently in the last couple of months, um, made, uh, 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 you know, the black mushroom rice. Oh the, God. I love that rice. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited because it's like, wow, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this, you know? Um, and it's so crazy. It, our food is different. Our food is good. Our food is like one of the, <laughs> I mean, and when I say good, I mean like it is good food, yeah. you know? Yeah. Whew, yes. Okay. So the black rice, amazing. So, and I feel like that one was not as frequent as the, um, the, uh, red beans and rice. Would you right. agree? Like that agree. one always was kind of like sort of off the beaten path a little bit. Um, what about, so I love, do you know how to make acasson? Do you remember acasson? Yes, I do remember. I don't know how to make. So acasson <laughs> is kind of a variation of a morning 
um, a breakfast meal. It's not oatmeal, but that would be the closest thing to it. My parents always made that on Saturdays or Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the closest thing to it would be like maybe Jamaican food because they have the plantains and the red beans and rice. But yes, there's something unique to the to the Haitian flavors, and um, I'm very intimidated by even trying to do it on my own just by following recipes. But, um, you know, it's never too late. It's never too late to grab back the things that are a part of you, you know, even like if you don't feel um, like they're instinctual. So tell me about Daughters of Haiti and how it started. Um, You are the founder, yes? You are one of the founders? Yeah, so tell me, how did it begin? So um, it began, honestly, it was about the children, Um, my kids asking questions, you know, about um, when can I go to Haiti? When can I do this? When can, instead of going here on vacation, can we go to Haiti? Can we do this? And it's interesting because, you know, the kids want to know, they really want to know. And I'm like, well, this is what we can do. This is what we can do. We can't do. And then they want to know, well, tell me about my culture. Um, why didn't you teach me? Why didn't you do this? And and so forth. And then I realized that, wow, they are very disconnected. Um, They identify and they want to, they want to learn more. Um, Then the pandemic happened. And uh, just in sitting at home and working from home, um, I started doing some research really on their behalf. And it dawned on me that there really weren't, while there are many Haitian organizations in the Chicago area, But there really wasn't one um, that was devoted to Haitian, uh, the Haitian American experience from a woman's perspective. And so just talking with a couple of other Haitian American women, I was like, well, what do you tell your kids? What does, you know, what does this look like for them? How do we um, sustain our culture? How do we help the next generation to understand who we are and where we're from? And they're like, you know, I struggle with this too, because, you know, at home I speak English and I should be speaking French. And, and I'm like, wow, we're all going through the same thing. And yeah. what's happening is our culture, we're diluting our culture. Um, we got together and we decided that we needed to do something about that, where we can promote our, uh, our culture and, and sustain, you know, um, and preserve it for our children, particularly our young ladies, even the way that um, we raise our daughters. um, As Haitians, we raise our daughters um, a certain way, Mm. right? Yeah. Um, Culturally, um, we do. There are expectations that we tend to have uh, for our daughters and how they are supposed to um, carry themselves. And, And that, while that may sound kind of like a negative thing, it's actually not. It is about um, being, um, how would I say that, uh, carrying your grace. I have always felt the Haitian pride, right? So I always, um, and again, this will be, you know, my family never smiled in pictures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that's a Haitian thing. Cause I've sort of seen it in other people reflected where it's like you st- you stand tall, shoulders back, you sort of almost stare down the camera, which doesn't mean you're not happy, but it's like you're sort of emanating your inner pride, that inner grace that you're talking about. Um, 
And it sort of sounds a little bit of what you're saying there. I mean, I, 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 I heard what you said in terms of like, it could sound negative. Like, it doesn't sound like what you're saying is like you're putting parameters on them, but I feel like it's more about accessing that pride, accessing that spirit, understanding who they are and bringing that with them into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I love that in the sense of, and I think where I am now is kind of what I mentioned before, which is like, I feel like it's happening through osmosis a little bit with my kids right now. And I, and that idea of turning it into something that's more intentional and turning it into something that they can resource and refer to and build, which sounds like what Daughters of Haiti can do, right? So that it becomes a resource and it can become spoken as opposed to kind of like just something that you kind of are trying to figure out on your own. Um, That's lovely. I love that. Um, So tell me a little bit. I know that um, there's specifically the debutante program. Did you go through a debutante program growing up? I didn't. um, I did not. And more so because there wasn't one available, quite Mm -hmm. honestly, that would meet our, you know, cultural needs. Um, In doing a lot of research, uh, there are some debutante type of programs in Haiti or events that happen. Um, And they're not, they they are more of a coming out party, uh, you know, a sweet 16 type of of, um, event. Um, but with daughters, we wanted to have that type of program where it was an educational experience, right? Cool. Um, it was about learning your history. Um, it was about learning about uh, Haitian women um, um, in history. It was about understanding the culture, the language, uh, the dance, mm. um, everything mm-hmm. about the, it, it was, it's, a cultural experience. Yeah. More well, so than anything. I love that. I think that um, I have to say, <laughs> I don't know if you're entirely the admin for the web, for the Facebook page, but I remember when you all posted about um, you were kind of initiating a debutante program and you were doing an informational meeting. And I literally mm-hmm. sent a question that was like, how, what's the age limitation? Um, the reason I was asking was not for my kids. It was for me. <laughs> 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 and I was actually like a hundred percent serious because like everything that you're saying in terms of what that program could offer is something that I would like to go through as an adult, you know? And it like makes me wonder like, you know, while that is partly what you're doing exactly with Daughters of Haiti, whether there actually could be something formalized for older people um, or no age limitation, because I'm dead serious, I would go through it. Like, and it doesn't- That would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) That would be awesome. Best place for people to find you then would be on, well, you have the website and then you have Facebook, yeah? Yes. And then you have a scholarship program for the um, debutante program. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So um, some cool looking merch that then goes towards that scholarship program, which is really cool. Um, I'm sort of immersed in this anti-racism education. And I, I commend when you put your heart out there and share your perspective and, and, you know, clearly based on what I do, 
people have come to expect it from me, but I know that it's harder when that not may not be like sort of what you do to um, be vulnerable and to speak your truth. And I, I see you, I see what you're doing and um, uh, I admire it. And well done, my friend. Um, so- Coming from you, that, that speaks volumes. That oh, means thank everything. Thank you, thank you. Because I see you too. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, this has been such a rich conversation and I'm really proud of you for what you're doing with Daughters of Haiti. And, um, you know, I really wanted to share what you're doing with the folks who listen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, hopefully we'll have you join us on uh, March the 28th. Yes, um, thank please you. Please make sure, yeah, because uh, that's going to be an amazing um, uh, program as well. It's going to be a beautiful uh, program that um, we have poets, uh, we have um, uh, performers, um, and then there's going to be a lot of history celebrating Haitian women. Bold, Beautiful, and Black, a celebration of Haitian women in history. And that is um, information is on um, the Facebook page and website. I think you can RSVP, is that right? Yes. But it's free. So it's free. Um, I will definitely be there. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Maybe it'll be all right. Maybe you're all wrong. Amazing Grace. Thank you, Lord. Bobblehead. Shoulder pop. Work a lot. It's never sweet. Yes, it is. No, it's not. This whole flock is not ready. 